On this week's episode, prepare for war in the House of the Dragon. It's a death for G4 again. And is it time to stop collecting sports cards? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, the Happy Horror, Humanican Media, and everything that we do to go ahead and make your life better by going ahead and checking out what we're doing today at popculturecosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day. Plus, we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook or Meta or whatever it is calling themselves today. Go ahead and check out what we're doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, go ahead and check out the Happy Hoarder on Facebook. Go ahead and sign up today so you get the latest news and information on all the great deals coming your way in the not-too-distant future, Humanica Media, and so much more. Please go ahead and check us out today. And if you can do all that, it is sincerely appreciate it but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he is our returning man from the borderlands you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com the happy hoarder his great shows the super bs games cast and of course everything that he is doing today of course for us right here at the pop culture cosmos it is my good friend it is the master and ruler of everything. Congratulations, you suck. Now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? All right, so I'm facing this, uh, this not a conundrum, but a difficult situation right now. All right, let me lay it down right. for you. Always very, here to help. Very rarely does a copy of Final Fantasy, the Microsoft, the MSX2 version, pop up on eBay. Uh-huh. And I'm staring at this copy, and it's like, it's 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 close to nine hundred dollars, and I'm like, you know, any sane person would not spend this money, but who knows when this is going to appear again, you know? And I'm uh-huh. sitting there thinking, like, man, I would be a dead man if I bought this, but also I could have buyer's regret for the rest of my life if I don't buy this. It's killing me inside, man. I'm telling you. Well, if it's going to be that now, maybe not expected at that price in the future. Did you, you know, is the condition on it great? Is it, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, so this was the original Microsoft version. So it has like four floppy disks inside of it. Uh-huh. They only made so many copies of it. Is it rated? It is not graded. Ah, see, if you get it, I would grade it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. All right. I don't know. That's it, man. I just know that the missus would not be happy, you know? 
Uh, I can tell. Neither would mine. Neither would mine. But you said you wanted to talk a little bit Marvel before we get into today's show. So go for it, my friend. Yeah. All right. So a couple things here. Like one, it seems like rumor and speculation has been just exploding since the Blade thing happened. You know, with the Blade delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that any of it really has to do with Blade, but there's just there's so much being discussed right now, and it's hard. Well, to that keep... you know that it was reported on the show that they've already changed a few of the movies. In fact, have uh, moved Secret Wars into the next year than it was originally mm-hmm. planned. Yeah, it's just, and there's so many people saying like, "Oh, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen." It's hard to keep up with all the hearsay. Uh, a few things I'm hearing, like one. There's a Spider-Man 4 already like in the works, and it's supposed to deal with the aftermath of Daredevil Born Again. But that would be weird to me because, you know, as we discussed, the Daredevil series does have quite a few episodes. So something big would have to happen. But why wouldn't they just do that on the big screen, you know, instead of doing a small screen something if, if something like really huge is going to happen? Exactly. I don't think you would relate one to the other, especially because that's a Sony property right now still with Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And of course, you're talking about a Disney Plus property. I'm not sure that they would want to help them, especially the fact because they're in league with Netflix. So it doesn't really make much financial sense for them. I mean, tie overs between the MCU and Spider-Man, obviously what we saw with No Way Home and and some other times where it's been necessitized. But for the most part, Peter Parker's story remains separate from what's going on in the MCU. Only one needed is he jumping in. So I don't think I can take in that one. Yeah, a lot of, uh, I mean, it would be cool because there's a lot of mythology there that could be explored. The other one is there, you know, the season two of Moon Knight is coming out and, uh, was allegedly like they're from what i'm hearing like they're incorporating like ghostwriter into it and I, so i'm just trying to figure out like how would that work yeah there's a lot of ifs from what i'm seeing but yeah. the only sure thing we've heard as far as confirmation of anything going on in the mcu is of course harrison ford as, as i said would be Ross. yeah you're yeah. you're right on the money for that one yeah they're not going to touch T'Challa, and rightly so, but they are going to go ahead and replace the actor. The only thing is, I don't expect a long stay for Harrison Ford, and nor should anyone else. I think as soon as he turns into the Red Hulk, it's bye-bye for Harrison Ford. Let's be honest here, though. They have not done a good job. At, sorry, on the fact of uh, you know Black Panther. They have not done a good job at hiding who the new black panther is like they could not make it more painstakingly obvious than it is and Um, letitia wright i mean she's very charismatic she's great at her character which was kind of puzzling again to me still why that they would go ahead and do that i I, again i was all for and i've been saying it for years lupita nwongo I think she would be perfect as the Black Panther. To be... She was the the bodyguard, right? No, that's no. She's she's the girlfriend. She's the you know. I don't know if they became married. Oh, and, you know, I'm right. sure that's, that's what right. Wakanda Forever will tell us that. But I believe that she probably would have been a better fit just because of the fact that you know you got to give her something to do. But that's just yeah. Uh, do they give her enough to do in Wakanda Forever? That's that's what I'm concerned with. That yeah. because she's just such a a, a great talent, uh, and Letitia Wright is just so great on her own as Letitia as Shuri. You know, I don't know if you really need to go ahead and 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 
put her in the Black Panther yeah. outfit, and and mm-hmm. you know, because I think it takes away from what she's she's really good at. So. We'll find out soon, though. I mean, release date's right around the corner. It's November, right? It's November, yes. mid-November, I think. Yep, it is. Just a few weeks away. Yeah. All right. Final thing I got here. I finally watched the end of She-Hulk. I don't know how I feel about it still. Like, I liked the show. Uh-huh. It was a different, is a change of pace. Is like, is more artistic, and I enjoyed that. But then the ending, it just, like, it felt like they were trying to make a statement. Like, they were... I don't know. They were trying to be meta, I guess, and going against all the trolls, but all at the same time, like highlighting their own issues, like what the trolls were highlighting. I don't know. It's a very weird experience for me that last episode. Like it almost pulled me out. It it pretty much it did pull me out of the show. Mm, I feel the exact opposite, to be honest with you. I thought the early episodes were not very good outside of the first episode, which we had talked about was enjoyable for us as far as the banter back and forth between her and Mark Ruffalo. The supposed law comedy, whatever they're trying to do, you know, whether they it's all ended up being fake or being played out, it just wasn't good at all. Uh, and the, so the first, you know, episodes two through five were not that very well constructed. It wasn't until they got to uh, at the th- you know the therapy session. I thought was uh, I thought it worked okay, and then the debut of daredevil in full gear and ready for action i thought that in you know hit charlie cox's presence was actually a good one in there it it, it just got worked better for me late and then the last episode i thought it, was, it actually clicked for me you know she's she's meta yeah. she's for she's fourth wall as we've explained before i think it clicked for me i know it did and uh, i know i'm also going to speak to jeff sabota from the mcu's bleeding edge on friday's show PCC Multiverse 300, who's going to have more thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, like it it took out some early plot lines that they were really like f- making you cling to, and mm-hmm. they just kind of like scratched them. So I don't know, I just it felt like it was, uh, it was weird to me. And then they had that like weird Fast and the Furious scene in the end where everyone's at the barbecue and Charlie Cox is there and... Uh, then the Hulk shows up with Scar, and I really hope that that's not what they're gonna make Scar look like. Because in the comic books, like Scar is one of he's like one of my favorite characters because he's like so he's savage, you know, like he had to fight for his life on Sakar, and uh, they just made him look weird and dumb in the show, like nothing like what the comic books look like. Uh, again, it's leaning towards a World War Hulk scenario. But uh, until they get rid of Universal 100%, they can't go ahead and say it's a World War Hulk scenario. But I have a feeling sometime either Phase 6 or even Phase 7, you know, I think by that time, Universal, they'll already have relinquished the rights to Hulk and be able, will be able to go ahead and check out a World War Hulk movie at some time. It's probably true. I don't know if it's going to play out like the comic books because you know everyone really likes you know, Bruce Banner for the most part is in control of himself. So in the original World War Hulk, they like launched him off planet. So I just I don't think that they're going to do that because he's such a beloved character. But you know, who who knows? We'll see. Who knows? We'll see indeed. But what are your thoughts on Marvel and what's going on within the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Please let us know your thoughts, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, we still have got a lot to talk about on today's show. Let me give you the rundown of what's going on for today. We're going to go ahead and talk about what happened at the box office with Black Adam and Ticket to Paradise. Also as well, we're going to be talking about the leading Oscar contender 
dropped this past weekend in the Banshees of Inishirin. So your thoughts on that? We'll also be talking about the death of G4 that happened last week again. Is this the final time for G4? We'll talk about that. Plus also as well, a video game roundup with Mario and Rabbit, Sparks of Hope, Persona 5 Royale, and the horrible release of Gotham Knights. We're also going to be talking to Rob Dolby with Game Time Sports Collectibles on the current status and the current state of the sports card market. And also as well, House of the Dragon Episode 10. I've got some stuff I want to go ahead and talk about with the Season 1 ending episode and all the stuff that's going on. The juicy stuff that's going on with Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. And overall, was it a good watch for me? Plus also, Josh has thoughts on some Hasbro stuff that happened recently. And Hockeyland, a movie that dropped into his lap. What do you think of the movie Hockeyland? We'll go ahead and talk about that on this episode as well you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials you've heard others but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the jock and nerd podcast witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies who said that never said that we've never said that who cares a jock said that comic book tv movie reviews news and whatever they choose available on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you find your favorite podcasts the jock and nerd podcast seriously people really listen to this uh jock and nerd but first, my friend, it is the box office. I wanted to go ahead and talk about Black Adam opening up to 67 close to $70 million here in the U.S. And a little bit over, I want to say, almost $150 million worldwide. Not backflipping per se, but all right, it's a good start. It's his best start ever as a solo star. Your thoughts on Black Adam doing so well? Stranger Than Paradise came up, uh, okay, and I'll talk about that in a second, but your thoughts on Black Adam for this weekend? I don't know, I'm really confused right now because, like, as a, you know, I, I, put, I put this on my social media pages earlier, I was like, yeah, the critics hate it, so I'll probably like it. I'm getting, even from the average moviegoer, though, I'm getting mixed perceptions of it. They're saying they loved the rock in it, but they don't know if they liked the movie, and that's okay. what's kind of... um I don't know. Is it alarming to me or do you think, okay, let me first put this question at you. All right. The, uh -huh. they have not been coy about the, the in, in credit cameo in there. Right. So uh -huh. do you think that if the movie is bad, do you think that them putting, bringing Superman back is enough to keep people interested in what's going on in the DC universe right now? Well, they really have no one to steer the ship. Walter Hamada just left and they've been looking for a replacement for him for quite some time and they've not been able to find one. They had thought they had one and then, but unfortunately that did not work out. So right now you're dealing with a whole lot of this, a whole lot of that. Supposedly there's a man of steel two on the way. I think right now, again, you still just have a, a universe that's full of hits and misses with no direction and nothing to tie it all in together. And I still think until Flashpoint comes out with Ezra Miller, you know, I don't know, about ready to be, you know, he was he's still dealing with court charges at this point in time in, in regards yeah. to a robbery here on the East Coast of the United States. Prison, it won't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. 
things aren't looking good. We had hope that things were looking a little bit better for the DCEU. We thought that there was a time where they could actually go ahead at Comic-Con and, and take hold and take control of the superhero space. But unfortunately, that didn't materialize as well. So I don't have much in hope or much to look at or much to expect when it comes to DCEU. I expect some hits and some miss and nothing more. Yeah, so I'm predicting that Black Adam is probably going to be the last big flop. I because I well, feel I don't like know, with... I don't know if it's I I don't know if it's a flop per Not se. A flop. I just, it's about seventy million. It's going to do seventy million, million this weekend, it, yeah. and it's going to it did one hundred forty million wide, which is not huge because the movie cost over two hundred million dollars to make. But you know, it's going to probably make what about five hundred million dollars, maybe right around there before yeah. it heads on out. Yeah, so I mean, I, I not a flop, but I feel like this will be the last like movie that people are unsure about, the last like shaky film that they're going to do because this was the last thing that the old uh, Warner Brothers regiment yeah. put together, and it even sounds like this was split between like the old and the new. They like there was confrontation during the making of this, you know. Yeah. Even like The Rock has been very vocal about that. That might have had a big effect on what ultimately came out in the film you know yeah. so i'm thinking that from this point forward we're either going to get really good movies or really bad movies there won't be any like middle of the road type stuff so well i mean we're going to get aquaman 2 we're going to get the joker 2 i'm sure mm -hmm. the batman will be returning in some form or fashion as far as the robert pattinson yeah. one so yeah well they, and they did a bunch of reshoots on the flash and surprise you know, aquaman. surprise aquaman 2 which which happened recently so you know I, maybe they're trying to right whatever wrongs they were doing but uh i don't know it's it's going to be interesting on the path forward i know that a lot of people are stoked to see superman back in the movies because this is something people have been clamoring for for so long and even looking at like the Zack snyder's justice league you know you see people have been wanting that for so long and it it was very successful you know, say what you want about uh, what the original cut looked like when the fans wanted something and they delivered delivered it like it was it was very good. You know, so with Superman coming back, this opens all kinds of avenues and it shows that much like Marvel, they're listening to the fans. And I think that even, you know, though Black Adam might not be that good, it still goes to show it. This is a big step for Warner Brothers saying like, hey, we hear you and we care. And I know Black Adam, especially The Rock, is going to now be a, a great part of the DCEU going forward. I think that's whether or not you like this movie or don't like this movie or don't even see this movie. I really think The Rock is going to be in a, a strong role for Black Adam going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see it. I, I haven't gotten a chance yet. My girls want to finish uh, the Justice League first, so we got to do that. Do I tell you, man, while I've been gone, there's a lot of things, a lot of pop culture stuff that like I missed out on. So we're trying to finish Lord of the Rings right now. We got one more episode left. Oh, uh, that's a good one. I know. So we watched the second to last episode last night and we can talk about that later. But yeah, it's pretty good. But now, you know, after we finish Lord of the Rings, we got to go back. We were watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we watched the first three parts. And now we got to watch the other three parts and. Uh, once we catch up on that, then we'll probably hop on over to the theaters to check out Black Adam. 
want to make sure also we give a shout out to TJ Johnson for covering the last two weeks uh, here on the show. Thank you so much for doing so. But yeah, a lot to talk about when it comes to pop culture. When you're ready for it, we're here, my friend, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we go and head to the break, wanted to go ahead and finish out outlying Ticket of Paradise, which was, eh, oh, it did okay. $16 million, not exactly great. I mean, you can compare that to Smile and to... Don't Worry Darling, and also even Halloween Kills, those movies perform better in their first weekend. Although there's, you know, although with George Clooney and Julia Roberts, they really kill it overseas still. It's actually on over $75 million overseas. I think that this movie, if it does become a profitable venture, it's because of everything done internationally. You know what's funny is that this is like a movie that would have done really well in the late 90s i agree or they even the 2000s even the 2000s yeah like this the, they don't make movies like this anymore they just they yeah. they don't and there there is an audience for it definitely but it's just not in the u.s that's for yeah sure. and if they had any other actors like main characters in this movie besides julia roberts and george clooney like it there's no way it would have done really anything here and I think it just proves that, at least internationally, the rom-com is not dead. I know that Netflix has a ton of rom-coms. I mean, if you could say even the quality-wise is not there, the Hallmark movies, though, are rom-com-based, and, and they still have a great marketplace and still have a great audience following it. So the rom-com, I don't think, is dead. It just needs the right actors to go ahead and be able to connect right. with an audience worldwide, including the U.S., but... You can yeah. see, at least internationally, Julia Roberts and George Clooney can yeah. still kill it for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I, I look at it, too, like, you know, speaking to the rom-com audience, I think that people, you have people going out to see the spectacle films because those are the, those are young kids, right? Kids and comic book fans, adults. and But the, the rom-com audience is mostly, like, you know, older women who probably still aren't, like, too keen to leave the house unless they have to so you know it's just a different it just shows like the what the different demographics um you know how box office affects is affected by the different demographics of people going to see movies right now last thing i want to touch on when it comes to the box office for this past weekend was it's not a huge number by any stretch of the imagination it's only one hundred eighty thousand at the box office from four different venues but the start for the Banshees of Anishirin, which is a great tale of a friendship that's gone awry, and it has uh, just a great cast involved with it. You got to go ahead and check it out. Just Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson do an amazing job. This movie has actually got a 90 on Metacritic, and it is a movie that is already being talked about at the head of the class for the Oscars. Your thoughts on the Banshees of Anishirin? You know, I, when I originally saw the trailer for this movie. I was intrigued by it. Like it, the the concept made zero sense to me, and they marketed it like a mixture between comedy and like a very dark horror like drama. And I seemed like a Cohen movie for me, actually. It it did, yeah. And so now, like, I'm even more intrigued about this movie than I was before, and I want to watch it. I'm not going to go to the theaters to watch it, but it's definitely going to be something I'm going to be sitting on my couch to watch. So what are your thoughts out there on the box office battle this weekend with, of course, Black Adam and, of course, 
the Ticket to Paradise for George Clooney and Julia Roberts, and also as well the debut of the Banshees of Inisherin, which again right now is one of the leading contenders for Oscar's Best Picture. Your thoughts on the box office shakeup for this weekend? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, the death of G4. I know this is something that you mentioned last weekend around this time. It was announced that G4, the revival of G4, the much vaunted video game related channel, which in many ways in the 2000s, I guess, spearheaded or actually brought to the forefront a lot of things that we now have very commonplace that we see on YouTube and Twitch and many other things. They tried to go ahead and revive this after it's been off the air for quite some time, and it never really seemed to connect with an audience large enough to go ahead and sustain itself. I've been watching and monitoring it for months now, and this was something you could see coming a mile away because it was something that was very expensive to run. You had a a, a virtually a company with a, with about a hundred people, hundred staff members involved. You had WWE stars. You were bringing in. It's a very very costly venture, and you were only getting mediocre YouTube numbers, Twitch numbers, and even a channel that you put out on Roku and all that at best. Your thoughts on this? I just think that there were a lot of factors working against it. I know that you said that there are other issues working against it, but for me, I think it's just when it came down to it. It's just the fact that this is a different age and there's so many different outlets for the same things that they were presenting that there was no need to go ahead and check out G4. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, giving some thought to what you're saying. You are right about that. Like you could go onto YouTube any day of the week at any time and find, you know, exactly what they're doing on G4. I think a big issue is, like you said, like this was not the right era for something like that. Like think about G4 was originally marketed much like Spike TV, like it was marketed to men. I don't know. So people who are going back to G4, it's just not what they were expecting it to be. And I think that that probably turned them off of that pretty quickly. People look back fondly on stuff like that. But then again, like G4, the legacy that they've left behind, I think a lot of this stuff on YouTube exists because of G4. Yes. Yes. And so it, it yeah it left an impact before but now they're just they tried to come back and do the same exact things they're doing before and i just i don't think that that was i don't think that that was the best move for them they didn't bring anything new to the table and ultimately i think that might have buried them absolutely it's i agree with you on that because the fact is back and also the fact that, that the audience for G4 grew up and they have other things that they need to take care of in their lives. They have families, they have jobs, they have a life. They're not just behind a PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3 at that point in time or an Xbox or an Xbox 360 as in that time. They don't, they don't have the time to go ahead and devote to G4. And no. it just, like you said, it, it, did things that you could see every single day on Twitch or you could see every single day on YouTube and there was no need to, for a new audience to go back to it. You talked about the political stuff or as far as their opinions and whatnot. I, I, I really don't think that's a huge factor as far as you know that's concerned. I just think the fact is that what they were presenting is what you hit it right on the head. What they're presenting is what you can find every day before and now after G4. So it, they, I mean, when you have a company of a hundred people, you can't just be putting out videos that are only doing 40, 50,000 views for us. That's great. That's no problem because we're only three people. 
when it concerns yeah. the pop culture consoles. But when it concerns a hundred, you need to support it a lot more than what they were doing. And that this is not to say that there's no place for a video game network of some kind. I just don't think it belongs on television. I think it. No. There should be, a, yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to have G Four as a streaming service, right? And be able to, uh, you know, go back and watch old episodes of X Play and X Factor, and, and putting even, it on Roku. That the Roku costs money. Being on these these uh, other outlets, one of these other stations that are on these free TV or semi free outlets, it, it, those cost money. Yeah, well, even make it as like an Amazon Prime extension. You know, there's yeah. a lot of stations that do that, but. You, know, you could do something like that and ha- do it at like half the cost of what they're doing right now. Like, yeah, broadcast national broadcast is expensive. You know, like don't de- you, th- this was a foolish endeavor to begin with. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I love this idea of G4 coming back. It just wasn't. It was a good idea, but it just didn't. It, one, it wasn't executed very well. And two, it, it was the cost. The cost was not did not outweigh the gain. Yeah, exactly. So it was just a very disappointing effort by G4. It brought some of what we appreciated and liked, but then again, trying to go ahead and embrace a new audience for it, I just think it never did or never could because of the fact that, again, this is this for most people was their dad's G4 or their mom's G4 or their uncle's G4 or their aunt's G4, and it really just didn't connect with that audience because the fact that, you know, the people that were watching it back in the day are doing different things and the people that were they were trying to target it to are already seeing different things because why would they want to go ahead and check out what they're doing over what they're doing already on Twitch and YouTube, Critical Role, and any of the, the popular YouTube stars or, or Twitch stars yeah. that are out there. They, there's just no reason to go ahead and, and necessitate watching G4. Yeah, and you know, like I said, the legacy they left behind is amazing, but it's also ironic that like the thing that shut them that's probably going to shut them down forever is the very thing that they helped the very movement that they helped create, right? Is all these gamers yeah. on Twitch and the irony in that my games. Exactly, exactly. So what are your thoughts out there on the death again of G four? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is Rob Dolby with Game Time Sports Collectibles. We talk about the current state of the sports card marketplace after such a big boom the past couple of years. Where do we stand? And are your trading cards, are your sports cards in danger of losing its value? And we're going to talk about that after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before, checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about Holy Grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2. 7 30 p.m eastern on jinx tv canada and we're back with the show it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here for the pop culture cosmos we thank you so much for watching and listening tell you what i haven't had a conversation a good one in quite a while on sports cards and collectibles since uh, my conversations with vince Atulo from that sports card show podcast we had some great ones about the 
fast rising values and the interest into sports cards, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, didn't matter. All these sports, their cards were rising in value, which made it extremely attractive to the high end buyers. But for the average collector, it was becoming a little bit harder and harder and harder to go ahead and maintain and collect this great hobby. You know, just go ahead and be able to still trade, still collect, still enjoy this hobby for that matter. But you know what? I wanted to go ahead and get an update on where we stand in 2022. So Vince referred me to a great guy. Going ahead and check out his site today. Please, please, if you can, give some time. If you are interested in anything at all in the sports card marketplace, go ahead to GameTimeSportsCollect.com. That's GameTimeSportsCollect.com. And everything within the world of Game Time Sports Collection is right there for you. It is the Game Time Sports Collectibles and the guy behind it. Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing there and so many other things on social media. It is Rob Dolby. And Rob, thanks so much for joining us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it so much as well. And, uh, you know, pop culture to me is a broader definition of what's going on in the world as far as things people like and have interest in and one of the things that's always been a part of our shows is collectibles and you know whether it's Funko Pops whether it's other collectibles whether it's other things that are out there in fact you know I know that I've recently got into the ticket sports ticket marketplace I had a recent event that I I think that might become very valuable so I really got started into that and looked into that but the one thing that I and so many others of my age and even younger than that have are sports cards. And my conversations with Vince during the pandemic of the past couple of years has led us into a direction where the values were skyrocketing for a lot of these cards. Where do we stand right now? You go to these shows, you run a site, you run a marketplace, you run a store that deals specifically on a day-to-day basis with sports cards. Where do we stand in the world of in the world of sports card collecting? Okay, so it was definitely you know as you've alluded to, it was a very unusual time for the sports card market uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we saw record sales for sure, um, and all of us who have been doing it you know for 10, 15, 20 years, we're seeing things that we had never seen in this hobby before. So mm-hmm. most of us were prepared for you know the kind of what goes up must come down uh, kind of uh, analogy, I guess. So we were prepared for there to be uh, some difference. And what you're always trying to, you know, I, I guess, guide your thoughts a little bit, but you have no control over is the overall marketplace, the overall economy, I guess, for the world around us. So, you know, we expected when people went back to work, when people weren't getting free money, any longer, that they weren't going to be throwing money around as much in the hobby. But Mm -hmm. certainly it actually has taken a downturn. Um, A lot of the numbers that we saw have have reversed and we are starting to see numbers track back to probably the pricing that we were seeing in 2018, 2019. Okay, that's very interesting to see. And and, uh, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, at one time, you know, sports cards were a great place to go ahead and invest and look into. Now it seems like you're saying, and it's becoming obvious that the marketplace is trending down. 
is that of great concern or do you still see it as something that there's there can be a place for continual growth in the marketplace okay so i I basically again I, i would feel like the people who went into it blindly that saw it as a money-making opportunity over the last two years, they may be in a situation where there could be some panic on their part. If they don't love the hobby, if they saw it as literally just an investment, they have missed their opportunity to probably make as much money as they could uh, on the investments that they made. Um, However, this pandemic and the market just getting in a, a, a fury there for a while really did cause a buzz that attracted a lot of people. And this hobby before the pandemic, say go back 2016, 2017, many of us that were out doing shows would look around a room and all you would see is a bunch of guys in their fifties and sixties around that room. And you did see a big resurgence of actually kids, the future of the hobby. And so most of us would still say there are more people in this hobby than there were five years ago. And that this market correction on pricing, them figuring out this allocation business with the, you know, from the distributors to the local shops and, and breakers and stuff that needing to be corrected and prices coming down is probably an overall good thing for the hobby. Okay. And that's something I wanted to ask you because, you know, like you said, even though there'll be a lot of individuals that may jump ship because of the declining values of where they stand now although i have a feeling that some of these cards that we're talking about will retain some of its value that were a little bit appreciated more appreciated than let's say they were than 2015 2016 2017 some of these cards may still hold their value a little bit stronger than others i still think the benefit from that is that even though there are are declining values with these cards you've now created a possibly a younger following that may have not been interested in sports cards that may not under other circumstances may not have been interested in sports cards. Yeah, absolutely. You are correct. So yeah, there's definitely some value there in those cards. Um, There's definitely room now where, you know, I was just talking, um, I do a Facebook live weekly and we were just talking yesterday. Are we seeing the floor already? Are we kind of seeing the bottom of this market correction where now there might be even some opportunities again to uh, start to buy and hold for a while. Um, I know that one of the big discussions we had yesterday is that actually people were very impressed. Um, I don't want to say it was a sleeper class, but they were very impressed with the 2021 basketball draft picks. Mm -hmm. So um, for a first time in six months, I saw some increases in some basketball products in actually, you know, sealed product, but actually just some interest in those rookies that are now in the products that are being released now, the guys that were drafted in 2021, that is. So we're starting to see an uptake in basketball and it's starting to move. And of course the season just started Tuesday. So we're starting to see that starting to take off, which is a good sign. The last, one of the last major baseball products, Topps Archives Baseball, wasn't a lot of buzz around that product. And it came out and I, I purchased low because I, I was concerned and it exceeded my expectations. It released last week, sold through my allotment of that, tried to buy more. It had went up $15, $20 and I could still sell more of that product. So there's been a couple very positive signs in the last few weeks. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, obviously, because the fact that long time 
into uh, as far as collectors, longtime collectors, longtime individuals who have just remained within this hobby for decades, as opposed to someone, let's say, like me, who has uh, been a casual individual. I I know Vince the first time he gave me the hard news that most of my collection came from the junk era and yes. <laughs> just him referring that i was like that was a crusher uh, yeah. but uh, ever since our conversations in the years since we've we've learned to understand as far as where to apply your money and where to apply it not but to see the the individuals that have dedicated their lives to this and their fascination and love and support for this it's been truly fascinating to hear from stories from both yourself and also vince on this I mean, for you, has this been a good thing to go ahead and stay with all these years? Has there been points in time where you've kind of questioned exactly where these the business and the marketplace of the trading card industry was going to go? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I've been doing this about 16 or 17 years, and my focus primarily is I, I work with a few friends in our shop and stuff, but my focus primarily has been on sealed products, mm -hmm. sealed products and supplies. And for a number of years, it was, Hey, you know, get in these four boxes, hope I sell them in a few weeks. If not, they've dropped a little bit. And it was like, I, I was doing good to po pocket a very part-time income, but prior even to COVID, we began to see the market with the help of social media, with the help of breakers, begin to build. And I was able to pay myself and, and make it my primary income uh, even prior to COVID. And then, of course, during COVID, you know, that was my gross sales. And a lot of people find this very strange that, that I would say this. But during this crazy money time, my gross sales did not increase that much at all. We're talking maybe 10 to 12 percent. But mm -hmm. my profit went through the roof my actual profit per sale greatly increased. So it was a good time. And, and right now, you know, there's a lot of buzz. I'm sure you're aware of the fanatics stepping into the market and that yes. sort of thing. There, there's a lot of, of buzz of who exactly is going to fanatics going to play ball with, who are they going to work with is yeah. your little tiny, tiny local shop out of luck. You know, what about breakers, that sort of thing. So there is a very much so a wait and see, for the people who, who make a living doing this, including myself. And that's something I want to go ahead and touch on before we head on out. And that is the fascination now we have as far as channels now dedicated to opening, or as you say, breakers, yes. opening these boxes, these packs on live streams or these auction that's, or these sales of cards on platforms, not just eBay, because eBay has been around forever, seemingly since, and, and people have always sold and traded through eBay, but whatnot. A modern auction house, I should say, of the time that people are getting into that you can also live stream and interact. And it just seems to be something that's gaining in popularity right and left. I know among the, the retro gaming community, it's become very fascinating. And also within the sports card trading community, it's also become very fascinating as far as a, a integral part of this piece. How has those things helped or maybe hindered the trading card community? Absolutely. I believe it helped the trading card community because as products began to increase in price and those people that wanted the thrill of opening a box of cards could no longer rationalize the price point of say four or five, $600 for a box of cards. 
yeah. it allowed the, them to, you know, pick their favorite team. You know, I, I'm here in Ohio. So, uh, you know, so many guys around here would pick Cincinnati Reds, right? So you'd pick the Cincinnati Reds, you throw down $40 or whatever, and whatever Reds are hit in that box, you get. That allowed them to still have the thrill of seeing that box open and still pull the stuff that they personally collected, but not have that $400 price point or that $500 price point that they're spending. So I do believe it itself created a lot of buzz in the hobby. A lot of people for entertainment purposes love to do it. And speaking of, uh, you know, whatnot, uh, whatnot is something that I've recently been uh, messing around on. I, I believe that whatnot is almost an entertainment platform too. And the people that seem the most successful on that are kind of doing a song and a dance also. The yeah. people like me who might just be like, hey, here's a box. Here's the price. I'll open it for you if you want. They're maybe not doing as well as some of these people that are, you know, making it entertaining. It seems like and, you have to go ahead with that and make it from not, not only just like it, it seems like it's a, a hybrid of Twitch and eBay come together. Yes. yes, very much so. That would describe it very well. Yeah, it just seems like, like you said, if you're just doing a straight up auction, it's going to get interest. But if on whatnot, but if you're doing something entertaining, as I've seen, especially from the retro gaming community, I've actually followed auctions there, and I've actually popped in on some sports cars auctions as well in the, in the recent days on whatnot. Just seems like, like you said, the more entertainment value that you provide for the consumer, the larger interest you're going to get on that platform. And I think whatnot is embracing that side of it. Not that they're not embracing individuals that just do straight up. It just seems yeah. to be that platform is trying to take away a little bit from the YouTubes and Twitches of the world and try to provide something different by obviously going ahead and being able to conduct actual auctions at the same time. So I got to have you on from time to time, if it's okay with you to go ahead and let us know and update us on the scene in sports card trading. Yep, absolutely. That would be great. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to continue conversations with you, Rob. Once again, it's Rob Dolby. You got to go and check out what he's doing today at GameTimeSportsCollect.com. Please go ahead and also follow him on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Again, that is GameTimeSportsCollect.com dot com for game time sports collectibles you'll actually start right there get to check out all that he's got to offer right there and then go ahead and experience everything that is game time sports collectibles i'll tell you what rob just great to have you here thanking you so much for being a part of the show and of course being part of the pop culture cosmos if you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with to close out the shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Rob Dolby with Game Time Sports Collectibles for stopping by on the program. Hope you can get a chance every now and then to stop by and to talk sports cards with us. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to talk some video games real quick. 
Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. I mean, this is something that is going to go under the radar, but it's going to sell tens of millions of copies because the previous iteration is one of the biggest games on the Nintendo Switch. I know that's hard for people to believe, but guess what? It's one of the biggest games for the Nintendo Switch, and it's not even a full Nintendo game. It's actually partially owned by, I think, Ubisoft. Your thoughts on this also as well, Persona 5 Royale. Those two games actually debuted last week. They're actually doing very well right now. Solid reviews for both. We're going to talk about Gotham Knights in a second, but your thoughts on Persona 5 Royale continuing the also under-the-radar greatness that is Persona and also as well Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Like I remember when Persona 4 came out, everyone was talking about it, what a great game it was. I was like, oh, I'd like to play that, but I just wasn't at a point in my life where I had time to do it. I got Persona 5 coming out on Games Pass, and I'm probably going to sit down and play that, but I still want to play Scorn. Like, I downloaded that, and that's a game inspired by H.R. Geiger, and, you know, it looks really cool. I don't know. There's just a lot to sit down and play right now, plus God of War and all this stuff coming out. So it's going to be a little bit busier than I think we predicted it being. Well, Persona, the whole series, it is still, though, a much-beloved, very well-received series. And Mario plus Rabbits, if you take again at the look at some of the best-selling games in the Nintendo Switch history, we've talked about Ubisoft, we've kind of ridiculed Ubisoft, and this is the sequel to one of their biggest titles ever, and that's going to be only good things for Ubisoft and Nintendo. They really need this. You know, Mario plus Rabbids, like, it still sells a ton of copies mm-hmm. even today. And so seeing the Sparks of Hope come out, and it's just something that seems to reach across mm-hmm. to different types of gamers. And I think that that's something that ubisoft and the switch needs right now because the switch isn't really putting anything out that people are really flocking to play and it seems like they're fizzling out right now and this can only help them i really think that there's going to be a lot of good things coming from both those titles but before we head on out my friend i do want to go ahead and mention the disastrous start for gotham knights Uh, i know tj johnson and i touched on it on last week's show in regards to the fixed 30 frames per second rate, which is a big uproar in the community, how a game in 2022 cannot even be 60 frames per second, which is just absolutely ridiculous. God of War 5 is actually going to have an option for you to get 120 frames per second, yet somehow this game, and it's all the bugs and all the, the bad reviews and everything that's gone on, can't even get past 30. Your thoughts on Gotham Knights, man? I wasn't really expecting this game to be good. It was delayed a ton of times, and it didn't really seem like they had a lot of confidence in it. It was trying to mimic what Rockstar did with the Arkham series, and it seemed like it was going to fall short. You know, with the delays and all the, you know, having to do the tweaks and all that, coming out the gate, it just didn't seem like it was going to be a great game. And who knows, maybe you know, a few months from now it could be a good game, but, yeah, but it's you just... You can't be doing that, man. How many times have right. you seen the Cyberpunk 2077, No Man's Sky? How many times you can repeat that formula, Fallout 76, where the game stinks right off the bat and you expect, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to work on it over the next two, three years, and, and we'll have enough of an audience to go ahead and make it a, a real thing. No, well, I mean, look at Avengers, right? Like, that game was bad coming out the gate. Now, allegedly, it's a great game, but there's nobody really cares enough to play it. So, yeah. it's... It doesn't work every time. Every game cannot be No Man's Sky. 
Yeah, so I would rather them have like really taken an extra like two years on this game to put it out and make something good as opposed yeah. to, you know, rushing out a kind of crappy game, you know? And yeah. so I am not going to be playing this one. Like if it's ever on sale for like 10 bucks, I'll probably pick it up. But I, I'm, you know, looking at it, it's a, it's a $70 price point. And that's just with all the bad reviews and negative press it's gotten it. I don't feel like it's worth my time. What are your thoughts out there on the disappointing release of Gotham Knights? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out and before I turn it over to you for some great thoughts on Hasbro and Hockeyland, did want to mention House of the Dragon Episode 10 falls this weekend. By now, if you're listening, if it's already dropped, a lot of you have already caught it. You've already seen the the major things that have gone on with it as far as the dragon battle and, and all that good stuff. And of course, House of the Dragon, got to have a dragon battle and the, and the preparation for war yet to come. So your thoughts on this, my friend, it ends up again with Rhaenyra planning for war and losing one of her children. I thought overall it was a good series. It checked the boxes. I didn't like as much as Lord of the Rings because I've gotten a lot of uh, flack from TJ on that, but I still, again, I went to hold to my dear and say, you know what? I thought Lord of the Rings pulled it out. But again, very solid outing. Did what it needed to do. Got everybody's attention. And everybody who loves Game of Thrones loves it even more. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of in the same boat with you, except like with my wife. My wife likes Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon better than Lord of the Rings. But I like Lord of the Rings better. But I do feel like House of the Dragon was really satisfying. I was expecting it to be like a lesser version of Game of Thrones, but it's kind of proving to be, in my opinion, a little bit better than Game of Thrones. Like they've learned lessons from what Game of Thrones did and kind of improved upon the formula. I will keep watching it. I hope it doesn't go on for more than five seasons, but like it did what it set out to do. And I respect that. What are your thoughts out there on the final episode of the season for Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. Did you like the dragon battle that took place? Did you like the twists and turns? It's always a good thing when it concerns the House of the Dragon. So please let us know your thoughts on Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but you had a chance before we go on out to talk about some stuff that you checked out with Hasbro and, of course, a movie that would drop on your lap in Hockeyland. So share me your thoughts, my friend. As the NHL season has started, Hockeyland seems to fit right in. Your thoughts on Hockeyland and what's going on with Hasbro before we head on out. Hockeyland is a very beautifully filmed documentary. Something about that climate, that culture around the upper part of the country, it was very beautifully filmed. Like the scenery was amazing. The way that they captured the town and everyone in it was very well done. I mean, the, the camera spoke leagues where words didn't. The movie itself, I would say, is probably in my top 10 documentaries of like the past five years. Mm-hmm. I do have some beefs with it, though. Like there's not a lot of like great hockey documentaries out there. And I think that this definitely scratched that itch. My beef with it, though, is that it was hard to keep track of what players were with what teams. It tells the story of these two rival schools and their hockey teams going up against each other. And it talks about like how if these kids don't go to the NHL or go to play minor league hockey, they usually end up working in the mines with their parents and all that. And you get that struggle. You get the fear that these kids have of having that be their fate. You are emotionally attached in that aspect. But, you know, looking at something like you go on like NBC, like Texas Six, 
or really any other sports documentary out there, documentary series out there, they tend to follow just one team and it's easier for you to like keep track of who's who and, you know, follow their journey and their development over the course of the documentary or docuseries. This one, they're following two different teams. So it's hard to keep track of who's on what team. They kind of look the same, you know, their stories are kind of the same. Some people have other things that they're dealing with that certain other players don't. So that was the one thing, like, I think that this would have been an amazing docuseries instead of just a documentary. There's too much story to tell and too many kids to follow for this just to be a two hour movie. You know, if it would have been like a docuseries, it would have been flawless. But just because there's so many moving pieces and it's so hard to keep track of a lot of it, it does not get a perfect 10 for me. I think it sits at like an eight. There we go. Highly yeah. recommend it. You know, let me just backtrack for a second. Like it was a, an amazing movie. Like it was great. It just, uh-huh. there were some things that could have been different that would have made it like a perfect 10 in my book. Hasbro, you wanted to go ahead and talk about some things headed for store shelves and some things that are getting your interest on Hasbro, a company that has suffered because of poor earnings and their stock value has gone down, but hopefully a holiday season will turn around. Your thoughts on Hasbro? So Hasbro, they're they're coming out with all these new things. They're like reprints of Power Rangers, reprints of Star Wars toys, reprints of G.I. Joe stuff, and all that stuff looks really cool. My one big problem with Hasbro right now is that they have so many things, you know, so like these stores are stocking a lot of things. They don't have things for everybody. Like you can't go to Walmart and you can't and get like, you know, the Zord Ascension things that they're coming out with and and the other um, some of the other great collectibles that they offer on the Hasbro Pulse app. And that makes me wonder, like, how many times do you think they're going to be able to just like repackage and reproduce as, a, as special editions the same toys over and over again before people kind of get tired of collecting stuff like that? Well, we'll see what happens because Hasbro needs it right now. Hasbro needs something to go ahead and inject some life because right. as a company, they are suffering after a very poor earnings call and a share price that has on the stock market devalued greatly over the past six months. So they need something to go yeah. ahead and infuse some life into a company that has grown very big, but needs a lot of help. But here's what I'm saying, though. Like, I would much rather them put out one really good toy line and keep pumping effort into that over the course of six months than over the course of six months come out with, like, 10 different toy lines from the same property. What are your thoughts out there on the future of Hasbro? Please let us know. And if you get a chance, please check out Hockeyland. Gets a very strong review from Josh. Is it Class Action Park? I'm not sure quite that much, but still a very good review. Eight out of ten for Josh as far as Hockeyland is concerned. You know we always have a place for Class Action Park. Always. Yeah, always, always. But what are your thoughts out there on Hockeyland and also as well the future of Hasbro? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Can I thank you as always for returning to us and talking a bunch of pop culture? Any last thoughts before we head on out? You know, back to Hockey Land, make sure you check it out. Like, support these smaller films because there, there's a lot of great stories being told in, in the, the smaller cinema as opposed to the, the big budget stuff. Like, make sure you show those guys some love. Absolutely. Uh, showing the little guys some love. Just those these little small films, the independent films, 
make sure you go ahead and you, you know once you hear about these please go ahead and support them because every single dollar is so important to them and so important to what they can do in the future in making great films so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great